Hi everyone, welcome back to the Let's Keep It Simple podcast. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of a man who was president for only six months and 15 days. Just for a little bit of context, the president I'm talking about here is James A. Garfield. He was assassinated shortly after becoming president, and the year he became president and the year he would die would be 1881. I'm not going to start the story off with the president himself. Instead, I'm going to start the story off with a man named Charles Gateau. Charles Coteau was from Illinois, and he had spent most of his life kind of hopping from city to city, trying different things, from law to preaching. He was that kind of guy. Another thing about Charles, like the president, Charles was a Republican, and he was a really avid Republican. So to kind of support this Republican president, he had written a speech for Garfield that Garfield was going to say during the 1880 presidential election to hopefully become president. Garfield would go on to give the speech, and the speech wasn't anything that was impactful or that swayed people to vote for Garfield. It was largely uneventful, but Gateau developed a delusion that it was some kind of key to the president's victory. Once the president became president and he was inaugurated, Gateau would move to Washington, D.C., and in Washington, D.C., he would become a very consistent and mostly unwelcome visitor in the White House. He even managed to earn a face-to-face meeting, or not earn, but he even managed to annoy people enough to get a meeting with Garfield. In the meeting, he met Garfield and he gave Garfield a copy of the speech that he thought had won Garfield his presidency. And he asked in return for that speech to be rewarded with a consulship in Paris. Garfield responded with a no. And once he did that, Gateau was absolutely infuriated. He turned to revenge at this point. And while he was lying in his bed just one random night, he said that he had a flash of divine inspiration. He described himself, or he said that God wanted him to kill the president. Gateau became fixated on the fact, or what he thought was a fact, that Garfield's assassination would save the country by allowing, who was the vice president at the time, Chester A. Arthur, to come and take his place and step up as president. At this point, we're in May slash June of 1881, and Charles has been following the president across Washington. And at this point, his revenge has transformed into wanting to assassinate him via a gun. And Charles had been planning the assassination for a while now. He had everything planned out. At this point, his family members and his friends, they thought he was absolutely insane, but he just would not let go of his dream, I guess. So he had practiced with a pistol, kind of making sure that he was accurate. It was a .44 caliber pistol, and he had specially purchased it because he thought that it would look nice in a museum one day because he thought he would be immortalized after he assassinated the president. Charles had also accepted that he would go to jail after he assassinated Garfield. So he even tried to take a tour of the jail in the district, and he assumed that he would just be arrested after the assassination. 
Now let's finally talk about Garfield himself, the president. And we're going to start on the morning of July 2nd, 1881. Now let's actually talk about the president, James A. Garfield, and our story is going to begin on July 2nd, 1881. On this particular day, he had arrived at the Potomac train station in Baltimore, and he was just there because he wanted to go on holiday. He'd been working really hard as president, and he just wanted to relax. He had been sworn in as the nation's 20th president just four months before, and his term had gotten off to a really, really rocky start. He had had some clashes with other people in the Republican Party. He had some personal problems. His wife had actually contracted a case of malaria and she had almost died from it. So he was really just, he needed a vacation. He needed to get his mind off things that were happening in his life. Garfield was actually planning to travel through New England and he was planning to take a trip just for the entire summer, just to go through New England. And he also planned to give a couple speeches there. He was going to give a speech um, at Williams College, which he had attended. So he had left the White House with his two sons, his two sons, which were teenagers, and the Secretary of State, who's, who was James G. Blaine. And he left the White House and he took a ride in a carriage to the station entrance at the Potomac train station in Baltimore. And this was near the National Mall. And you have to understand that at that time, most presidents didn't, you know, have bodyguards or security following them everywhere they went. It wasn't really expected. As Garfield's carriage is pulling up to the train station and Garfield's getting ready for his vacation, Charles is pacing around in the waiting room. He's really, really excited for this so-called mission to God. In his pocket, he actually has a letter that is meant to be sent to the White House that says the president's tragic death was a sad necessity, but it will unite the Republican Party and save the Republic. Life is a fleeting dream, and it matters little where it goes. Just to give you a bit of a timestamp, at around 9.20 a.m., Garfield entered that Potomac train station with Secretary Blaine, who had offered to walk with him to his train, and as they went through the waiting room, That was where Charles was. So Charles snuck up behind him and he took out his pistol and he got ready to assassinate him. Immediately, Charles fired two shots at the president from very close away. The first bullet would only barely touch his right arm, but he would still scream out, my God, what is this? The second shot was much more accurate and it would strike Garfield in his lower back and Garfield would fall to the floor. As soon as these shots were fired, people in the station began to scream with panic. People were in complete panic. They had no idea what was going on. Charles tried to flee, but a man had blocked the door, which allowed law enforcement to apprehend him and take him away. The people on the train immediately surrounded the shooter and they began to yell, lynch him, lynch him. They wanted him to die. But at Charles' own request, the police took him away, away from the angry mob and to the safety of jail. Meanwhile, while all this was going on, Garfield was still on the train station floor where he had fell. He was bleeding a lot from his back and within minutes, 10 different doctors had arrived to check out what was happening, try to save him and locate that second bullet. Now, even though no one knew this at the time, remember it was the 1880s, people did not have a great knowledge of medicine back then. The bullet had actually missed his arteries and 
any of his vital organs. So it had actually embedded itself somewhere near his pancreas. And by our modern standards, if there was modern medicine back then, he would have probably survived the injury. But the physicians only worsened things by using their fingers, which had all these germs and bacteria on them, they didn't sterilize anything back then, to poke around and try to find that bullet. And that could have possibly caused an infection. And just so that you're aware, Garfield was conscious during all this. After an hour of this horribly painful poking around inside of his body, the president was taken from the train station to a bedroom in the White House. His doctors were very, very fearful that he wouldn't survive. But Garfield put on a really brave face for his children, and he said, the upper story is all right. And his sons and his wife, everyone, they were all crying. It is the only hole. It is only the hole that was damaged, he told them. Over the next couple of months, newspapers started to release updates on Garfield and on his condition. Now, Garfield was about 50 years old, 49 years old at the time, and he had actually rallied in the first few days after the shooting, like nothing had happened, like he hadn't been shot. But his condition just kept worsening and worsening. And his doctor, who was Dr. Willard Bliss, he gave him heavy doses of different drugs as well as alcohol, which only made it worse because it left him vomiting, which just made him more weak. He also, to make things even more worse, conducted repeated medical probes where he pushed into his body and tried to locate the second bullet, but he couldn't find it. And remember, the frustrating part is that Garfield probably would have been fine if they hadn't done all of these things to make him better, quote unquote, really just making it worse. And in August, one month after Garfield was shot, he even asked for Alexander Graham Bell, who was the telephone inventor, to help him. Alexander uh, Graham Bell, he used a very inhumane metal detector system called the induction balance to search for the bullet. The machine had worked very well, theoretically, in tests, but it failed because of one, that there were metal springs on the president's bed, and two, that he only was allowed to search the right side of Garfield's body, where the doctor thought that that was the side where, you know, the bullet had landed, when in reality it was on the left side. By the start of the next school year, so in September, a huge and painful had infection, most likely by the medical treatment itself that was tried to help him, which is very ironic, had left Garfield with fever and abscesses over his entire body. And he was taken to a cottage on the shore of Jersey in the hope that the cool sea would somehow help his condition. But it didn't. And on the night of September 19th, 1881, he would die. And he had been present for just six months and 15 days. A lot of historians agree with me that if not for the limitations of the medicine back then, which was, you know, lack of sterilization and lack of proper equipment, etc., Charles would have, or not Charles, but the president would have likely lived. Now back to Charles, which was the person who assassinated the president. He pleaded guilty and said that the reason that he murdered him was because he was clinically insane. But the jury wasn't buying it, and it took them less than an hour to return a verdict that he was guilty. 
On June 30th, 1882, a year after, about a year after the president was assassinated, he was executed and he was executed by hanging in the capital of Washington, D.C.